Welcome to Matters of Fact. I'm Christian Esquera. Now, today in the program, we're going to talk about whether the two-week ECQ made any significant impact as far as curbing the surge in COVID-19 cases was concerned here in Metro Manila and four nearby provinces. And now that we are under the less stringent uh, modified enhanced community quarantine, what's the plan? Join us now is San Juan City Mayor Francis Zamora. Good morning, Mayor, and thank you for joining us on the program, sir. Yes, good morning, Christian, and thanks for having me again on ANC. Okay, we so we had this two-week uh, lockdown uh, called the Enhanced Community Quarantine. Now, let's talk about the situation in San Juan City. Given your experience over the past several weeks, do you think it was a good idea to shift to the less stringent MECQ? Well, uh, I can share with you, Christian, that uh, during the ECQ, our uh, numbers have stabilized. In fact, uh, they have stopped growing and I'm expecting that they will start going down very soon because each and every day there will be people tagged as recovered and uh, every day that they are uh, tagged as recovered, this will bring down the numbers. So now that we have shifted to MECQ, remember we are still uh, limiting the mobility of people. In fact, uh, only those who are uh, working now in industries and businesses that are allowed to open during MECQ have been added to those who are allowed to go out. So in general, people are still uh, asked to stay home. And if you are 18 to 65, you can only go out if you are accessing uh, food or uh, medicines or uh, will have to undergo any medical treatment. Of course, we allow exercise uh, for uh, our citizens, but uh, these are limited to just within the community, like within the barangay or within the village. Now, when you mentioned that the numbers stabilized during those two weeks under ECQ, at least in San Juan City, uh, yes. was it actually a result of the ECQ or was that a result of the previous efforts done before the ECQ? I, I believe it's a result of the ECQ because prior to ECQ, we were growing, meaning uh, from just 61 uh, cases uh, from March 1, we eventually uh, went up. But uh, this growth eventually stopped. And uh, that is why I'm saying it's stabilized because it's not growing anymore. It's just stopped uh, at that uh, number plus minus uh, around 1,000 cases. And now that we are expecting recoveries every single day, uh, this will start going down. But of course, this doesn't mean that uh, people should uh, be overconfident at this point. I'm just saying that we have shifted to MECQ. We have allowed a little more people outside, and these are those working in allowed industries. But people should still have that mindset that we really have to be careful. We have to follow all minimum health standards and protocols. Okay. And how many active cases do you have now in San Juan City? We are now at 1,125 active cases and uh, if you uh, compute the growth uh, we were experiencing before we were increasing by around 100 150 a day uh, prior to ECQ so if we hadn't gone through ECQ I would assume that by now we would be around at the 2000 level given the daily growth we were experiencing before and then uh, what were the significant uh, improvements done at least in San Juan City during those two weeks? Because there's a question that is also, of course, fair to ask elsewhere in other LGUs and more, most especially as far as the national government was concerned uh, in terms of, let's say, increasing bed capacities uh, in hospitals, 
isolation facilities. Okay, uh, San Juan Medical Center has increased the uh, COVID bed capacity from 45 beds to 75 beds, and this is mandated by the DOH. Also, we have uh, increased our vaccination. In fact, uh, we had the first simultaneous vaccination uh, in the country uh, witnessed by uh, Secretary Duque. That was about uh, two weeks ago here in San Juan. And every single day from uh, the first day, we have been uh, vaccinating our constituents. We are now vaccinating our uh, senior citizens and persons with comorbidities. And regarding the isolation facilities, we will be opening in the next few days our container vans that have uh, individual rooms with aircon and toilets. So this will help us uh, enhance our quarantine uh, facilities, especially now that uh, the hospitals are really overloaded. One thing that we are doing is triaging, meaning we have to immediately determine who should go to the hospitals and who should just stay within Uh, the community and uh, who can transfer to the quarantine facility. So not everyone should go to the hospital because this will cause overloading. How many uh, container vans will be made available and how soon? Uh, basically, how many isolation isolation beds will be made available? Because we have to compare that with the with the numbers that we're seeing every day, right? And whether that yes. those uh, that increase in uh, in bed capacity or isolation beds could actually cope with the increase in our COVID-19 cases? The initial uh, number of uh, rooms that will open will be 26. And aside from that, we have uh, started uh, rebuilding our uh, San Juan Elementary School Library, which will open also very soon. Uh, and Red Cross is teaming up with San Juan to open two community-based quarantine facilities, which can handle 200 uh, quarantined uh, San Juanenos. So all of these are simultaneously being done to address the situation and I'm optimistic that uh, by end of April all of these will be fully functional. Okay, how about testing? Uh, was there actually actually an increase uh, in testing in San, in San Juan City to give us a clearer picture of the uh, yes. uh, infection in, uh, in the city? We have been uh, consistently testing three times a week at around 800 to 1,000 uh, people a day. And uh, we focus on close contacts of those who have become positive. And uh, of course, uh, testing close contacts will really yield you higher positivity rate because you are testing those who actually were uh, with positive patients. And uh, this data can be gathered through contact tracing. That's why contact tracing is very important because it is investigative in nature and it will allow you to determine most likely who are the ones who are positive as well among the close contacts of the patient. So we are doing this consistently. In fact, uh, San Juan was uh, <clears throat> mentioned as uh, four of uh, the uh, better performing uh, cities in terms of contact tracing. So we are pushing ourselves to do this even better. Okay, when you say one of the better performing cities as far as contact tracing is concerned, What do you mean? Uh, what's the ratio for every person who tests positive for COVID-19? What's the average number of uh, close contacts that you're able to reach? Well, we, we are now hitting an average of around uh, 15 to 20 uh, close contacts. It really depends on where the uh, person had uh, gone to the last during the last few days before he tested positive. So there was once a, uh, a ratio proposed by uh, uh, General Magalong, uh, mayor now of uh, Baguio, 
but uh, this number has really gone down in terms of average because all cities were mentioning that the ratio he was uh, proposing was uh, too high. So the 15 to 20 level at this point uh, is very realistic, especially because uh, contact tracing efforts will really require a lot of investigation. So we have tapped also our San Juan Police, our uh, Bureau of Fire Protection, aside from our local uh, employees in the City Hall to do this. And uh, every day that we are able to trace people, they are asked to test during our three testing days within the week. Okay, now in terms of vaccination, how many people have you actually vaccinated? <clears throat> Earlier in the program, you mentioned that you're now vaccinating senior citizens and those with comorbidities. And then how, when do you expect to complete uh, the, the, the vaccination program? Again, based on the, uh, dependent on the availability of the vaccines, of course. Yes, as of uh, yesterday, we have vaccinated already 8,222 San Juanenos, and uh, the breakdown would be uh, 2,443 persons with comorbidities, 1,609 senior citizens, then the rest would be within the medical frontliners and healthcare workers. So every single day, we vaccinate around 600 to, 600 to 800 San Juanenos, and we can definitely increase this number as supplies increase as well. And the one challenge really is the vaccine supply. So right now we have run out of AstraZeneca. That is why yesterday we started vaccinating our senior citizens with Sinovac. And we currently have around 4,000 doses of uh, Sinovac on hand. And I'm in direct communication with the DOH regarding vaccine supply. So every time our Sinovac goes down to around 1,000 doses, they would deliver again around uh, 1,000, 2,000 to around 3,000 doses. So what they're doing really is spreading out within Metro Manila and other cities, the vaccine supply. But please note that we have ordered 100,000 doses of AstraZeneca using our local funds, and we expect these to arrive by June or July. So when this uh, happens, we will have a lot of flexibility in terms of the number of uh, vaccines we can do per day. We can actually move on to multiple sites when our 100,000 doses arrive. In total, how many uh, residents uh, will be vaccinated as part of the program? Based on the 2015 census, we have 122,000 residents and we've computed 70% of that, which is 85,400 to achieve herd immunity. Right now, 56,000 have registered using our online and manual registration and uh, we have vaccinated uh, 8,222. So at the rate we're going, uh, given uh, a steady vaccine supply, uh, we will be able to do this in just a few months. But of course, the real challenge is when will these vaccines arrive? Right now, we are really very dependent on the national government's allocation. But uh, once our local government procured vaccines arrive, I am more confident uh, of the speed that we can achieve this with. Uh, are you also sensing or experiencing that so-called hesitancy on the ground uh, after you started rolling out this vaccination program? Well, during the start, yes, uh, we could sense a lot of uh, skepticism. But one thing that I'm seeing, which uh, and I say this because I attend every day the vaccination. I'm present every single day there. And I talk to those who are about to be vaccinated and those who have just been vaccinated. And a lot of their skepticism really uh, disappears after they get vaccinated. In fact, a lot of them would say, 
okay, uh, akala namin nakakatakot, akala namin may mararamdaman kami, but in the end, they would say, wala naman. And when these people go home to their families and then they tell their uh, children or their parents about the, the vaccination they experienced, um, the word of mouth would spread and people would uh, eventually register. That is why we are seeing an increase in the rate of uh, registrants per day because uh, these 8,222 individuals have eventually gone home to their families and have told uh, their parents or their friends about the experience uh, of their vaccination. So, so far we have not recorded any adverse uh, reactions aside from those that are normal and expected. Yeah, the usual side effects for after taking uh, any vaccine, right? Now, let's go to the aid being provided uh, to the residents of San Juan City. Uh, how many have actually received the 1,000 peso aid coming from the national government? Christian, this is what we are doing. Uh, we received 98,000, uh, sorry, 98 million pesos of aid from the national government. And what we did really was strictly follow the guidelines. According to the guidelines, each... Uh, qualified individual if uh, they only have one member of the family they will receive 1000 pesos two uh, family members will receive 2000 uh, three will receive 3000 and those who have four uh, or more family members will receive a maximum of 4000 pesos so so far we have uh, disbursed Sorry, Christian, I have a lot of data. <laughs> yeah, no problem. But basically, okay, we, have dis oh. we have disbursed uh, 41 million pesos out of 98 million pesos. And uh, that's 16 out of 21 barangays already. After today, we would have disbursed 19 out of 21 barangays for a total of 65 million pesos already out of 98 million pesos. And uh, we are prioritizing, Christian, now the SAP 1 and SAP 2 beneficiaries, those who listed uh, with SAP and uh, the four piece beneficiaries from DSWD. So we are relying on the master list given to us by the national government. And uh, did you have any problem uh, in terms of reconciling the list? Because before that was a problem, especially last year. Um, those who were on the uh, SAP list were not exactly that complete, right? Because you, uh, as mayor, knew how many people actually deserve or should have gotten that amount. Yes, when you say we have reconciled, um, the data that we have now basically is the one that has been validated by the DSWD. So during the SAP distribution last year, it was really very hard because a lot of people were, uh, were trying to get into the list and there were also people complaining why these people got into the list. So it works both ways. Now that we have a master list from the DSWD, it's a lot smoother because at the end of the day, this has been validated already by them. Now uh, each barangay has a grievance committee wherein people can sign up if uh, they feel that they should be part of the list or if they want to remove someone from the list, they can do so. Now, just in case, after distributing to all the SAP1, SAP2, and uh, waitlisted uh, beneficiaries, also the four piece, if we have funds remaining, then we can now uh, distribute this to other low-income individuals that uh, will be part of this uh, grievance list and those that will be determined by the LGU through our local DSWD. Okay, San Juan City Mayor Francis Zamora, thank you for joining us this morning, sir. Okay, thank you very much, Christian.
Philippine health officials may finish evaluating Johnson & Johnson's application for emergency use of its COVID-19 vaccine this week. That statement coming from Food and Drug Administration Chief Eric Domingo. He says India's Bharat Biotech and China Sinopharm are also processing their applications, while Moderna and Novavax have yet to apply for emergency use authorization. Yung Bharat Biotech, meron pa po silang kulang sa atin na kailangan isubmit na proof of good manufacturing practice. Ang hindi pa tayo pumalinaw yung Sinopharm, meron pong sumulat sa amin na gusto mag-apply pero nung hiningan po namin ng requirements, hindi pa po nila binibigay. And... The FDA has so, has so far granted EUA to Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Sinovac, and Sputnik V. The National Task Force Against COVID-19 expects the arrival of 1.5 million more doses of Sinovac's COVID-19 vaccines and half a million doses of Russia's Sputnik V this month. The government says it may start inoculating the so-called A4 priority group in May. That group includes frontline government workers, market vendors, and fast food workers. So far, more than a million Filipinos have been vaccinated against COVID-19 in over six weeks. That's only around 1.5% of the target of 70 million to achieve herd immunity. Another lockdown aid distribution descends into chaos, this time in Taguig City. The city's social welfare officials say they, they were forced to postpone the fourth day of the distribution of cash assistance in Barangay Upper Bikutan on Monday after some residents found they were not on the list of beneficiaries. This led to some minor physical altercations. Taguig will resume giving out aid once officials are now the process. In his Monday night address, President Rodrigo Duterte ordered the Interior Department to address these incidents. So ask your field officers to try to make the rounds and investigate if these allegations are true. I do not have any reason to doubt the mayors. Just the same. Para hindi tayo mapasama dito sa television. Sige, may hindi sila binigyan. Piso lang. Kung piso lang, grabe na yan. But Interior Undersecretary Bernardo Florence or Florese insisted they have not received any complaints so far. All our other secretaries and assistant uh, secretaries as well are our directors. Ay, uh, sila, po, sila po sir ang nagmomonitor sa lahat ng LGUs. Umiikot po sila sir araw-araw. And so far wala kami sir na tanggap na complaints. The National Capital Region needs at least 600 more ICU beds amid a surge in COVID-19 cases. That's according to Secretary Carlito Galvez Jr., the chief implementer of the National Task Force Against COVID-19. But he also says the government is already expanding healthcare facilities in Metro Manila. There are currently 1,395 ICU beds in NCR, with IATF looking to add 1,350 more regular beds for mild to moderate and even asymptomatic patients. Initially, ang anunsan natin for the purpose of uh, preparing our uh, healthcare facility during MECQ, ito po sa target natin 600 immediate. Pero ang anunsan natin, kailangan dagdagan talaga po natin para maging resilient tayo. Mga 2,000 ICU beds pa po talaga. Dagdagan mo? Opo, opo. Mayroon na. 
Pero sa ngayon po sir, ito muna target po namin dahil kasi marami pong requirements sa, ano, sir, sa mga tiyatawag natin medical staff. The Philippines confirmed over 11,300 new coronavirus cases on Monday, the fourth straight day that the number of new infections was over 10,000. The figure is also the sixth highest since the start of the pandemic. 204 more people died from the disease, raising the death toll to more than 15,000. Recoveries meanwhile stand at 703,000. The Healthcare Professionals Against COVID-19, or HPAC, has warned against loosening quarantine restrictions without clear plans to fix the, the root causes of the surge in COVID-19 infections. Joining us now is Dr. Maricar Limpin, a member of the HPAC. She's also the Vice President of the Philippine College of Physicians. Good morning, Dr. Limpin, and thank you for joining us on the program. Uh, good morning, Christian, and good morning to all our televiewers. Okay, so let me get this straight. Your group is not in favor of the shift from ECQ, the two-week ECQ, to a modified enhanced community quarantine, which will be in effect until the end of the uh, of the month. Is that correct? Uh, we are actually recommending for an extension of the ECQ uh, because we believe now with the MECQ there will be some some of the restrictions na nakikit na inimpose natin for. Uh, during the ECQ will actually be removed. So this will again um, uh, imperil no, the, uh, the transmission of COVID-19 in the country. Mm. But uh, do you think the, the MECQ, as it is uh, defined now, would, act would actually make any big difference as far as a possible surge uh, in new COVID-19 cases is concerned? Because if you look at the restrictions, basically they're still very much strict. Yes, uh, pero tandaan natin, ano, uh, Christian, that the restrictions that is being imposed will actually depend on the implementation in the LGU. And oftentimes, we have already stated, even in the past, since last year pa yan, that the implementation in the LGUs has been uh, quite different from one place to another. So, kaya tayo, kaya naguguluhan ng mga tao, eh, no? So, medyo confusing yan sa tao. So, the messaging that is being received by the people, by the public, is that since nag-modify na tayo, so may mga bagay na pwede na naman silang uh, gawin. No? And that also means na medyo marami-rami na rin sa mga tao ang pwedeng lumabas na naman. And uh, that is actually the, the worry, the uh, what scares us uh, healthcare professionals kasi alam namin what the impact will be on people. Okay. Now, if you go by the numbers alone, the, the, the surges that we have been seeing over the past, Uh, several days, especially during the two-week ECQ, uh, was it indeed, was it in fact prudent for us to shift to a less stringent modified enhanced community quarantine? Um, mas ano, no? Uh, dahil sa, actually like me, uh, I am in the hospital, so nakikita ko kung ano ang nangyayari sa mga tao. And right now, the hospitals are still filled up. No, the emergency room is not just 100% filled up, but it is more than 100%. Some would, would be 150, the others will be 200% capacity. So, uh, 
can you just imagine kung paano kami talaga nagtatrabaho? And it's very difficult, no? Uh, we are ready to respond to the needs of the people. Pero kailangan din naman, eh, mabawasan talaga yung mga number ng mga tao na nagkakaroon ng COVID-19 infections. And Christian, the ones that we are seeing in the hospital, eh, medyo, ano, grabe talaga ang nakikita na, ang nakikita namin. And that is the reason why ang dami sa mga medications that we are uh, providing to the patients, no, at this particular time, ay nagkukulang. So, Uh, we are um, in a quandary kung paano kami makaka-avail ng mga gamot na ito na kakailanganin namin para doon sa pag-manage ng mga COVID-19 patients, lalo na yung mga severe and critical. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your recommendation? How long should the ACQ have been extended? Should have been extended? Yes. Uh, sa amin kasi, uh, we see the, uh, an extension of Uh, two weeks more. No? Yun ang pinakamagandang gagawin natin para talaga um, una, it sends a very clear message sa mga tao natin na uh, kailangan talagang uh, wag tayong basta-basta lumabas kung wala naman tayong dapat gawin na importante. Secondly, it also drives no the, the message to the people na yung palaging pagsusuot, yung adhering to the minimum health protocols ay kailangan talagang gawin no right now mabilis tayong nag-shift kaagad uh, from ECQ to MECQ so iba na naman ang message niya na pinapaabot natin sa mga tao so tandaan natin Christian no the reason kung bakit tayo nag-umabot sa ganito uli dahil uh, palesen tayo ng palesen ng mga community quarantine natin in the past, no? na it is really sending the wrong message to the people. Kaya madami ang hindi nag-adhere. And the LGUs, no? hindi lang yung uh, tao ang hindi sumusunod, marami na ang pasaway, but the LGUs also, the LGUs are not implementing no? yung mga uh, kailangan gawin ng mga tao. So dapat sa LGUs, mas mahigpit sila. And very importantly, uh, there are programs na hindi na masyadong natutuloy. And right now, yung contact tracing, they're doing it, pero uh, feeling ko parang kulang pa tayo doon sa contact tracing na ginagawa natin. Actually, kulang na kulang talaga by 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 the uh, the government's uh, own admission, right? Especially uh, General uh, or retired General uh, ben- Benjamin Magalong, right? So he He mentioned the the weak link, or the weak weakest link, as far as the contact tracing was concerned, right? Now you mentioned, of course, the the adherence to the minimum health standards. But again, this is uh this has always been part of the debate. Uh, it's a shared responsibility between the people and the policymakers. I mean, the government, right? So yes. do you think the the real problem uh, really have much to do with people's adherence or failure to adhere to the minimum health standards, or that the government was also remiss in doing what it was supposed to do during those two-week lockdown or perhaps even earlier during last August, August last year, right? Because they were supposed to do, for example, increased bed capacity, isolation facilities, mass testing, which again, for the end time, does not mean testing each and every Filipino. But the very idea of testing more people, the government has not achieved that, right? As of yesterday, I think we only got... um, More than 37,000, yes. right? So, I mean, how do you actually go out of this vicious cycle of going back to lockdowns to be able to arrest 
the surging cases if there's also a big failure in the part of the government? Dr. Limpin. Yeah. Of course, it's an individual responsibility. Pero mas malaki ang responsibilidad ng government, particularly the LGUs. I have to go to the LGUs kasi sila naman nagpapatad eh, no? And kung ang mga supposedly kahit ng mga police or traffic enforcer, nakikita na nila yung mga iba, hindi naman nagsosuot ng maskara, no? Or yung iba nga, wala. But nakikita nila yun, but not doing anything. It is not a matter of applying a military force. Hindi yun ang ating sinasabi. Basta pag may nakita sila, pagsabihan na nila kaagad, lapitan nila yung mga tao, pagsabihan nilang you're not uh, following, adhering to the minimum health protocols, kailangan isuot ninyo yung mask. Simple reminder sa mga tao, hindi nga nang gagawa. So, uh, importante talaga yung uh, papano i-implement ng mga LGUs. And then secondly, uh, Christian, uh, very important yung uh, contact tracing na yan. And dapat yung contact tracing na yan, meron sa, sanang sistema, maaaring they're not used, they will not be using the same app no? In from one LGU to another. Pero dapat standard. No? Hindi yung pagpunta mo sa Quezon City, pagpumunta ka na Manila, o kaya sa Mandaluyong, Makati, no? iba-iba. Pati yung information that they, uh, that you will actually provide to the LGUs, magkakaiba yan. So, maski ako, mag-fill up ako sa lahat ng mga forms na yan, no? o doon sa QR code nila, uh, pero hindi naman ako, ma- once na umalis ako doon sa lugar na yon, hindi naman na nakikita ko saan ako nagpunta. So kung positive ako, sino ang dapat na i-trace mo doon, no? And at uh, the contact tracing, the information that is being uh, obtained uh, during contact tracing, it's also not adequate, no? So kailangan lahat ito ay mailagay sa tama before tayo siguro uh, mag-isip ng uh, reducing the community quarantine that we are uh, implementing in the National Capital Region. Okay, again, the, the the public was expected to do something, but the government was also expected to do something. Especially, let's just yes. limit the discussion during the two-week lockdown, during the two-week ECQ. What do you think was uh, the significant changes or improvements or modifications made by the national government or the local governments? Did you see any? And right now, uh, after the decision, the, the decision to shift to an MECQ until the end of April, do you see any clear plan? any clear guidance on what we are supposed to do, not just the public, not just the ordinary man on the street. Do you say any clarity with what we are all supposed to do, especially government, to be able to get out of this uh, current cycle that we're in? Yes, uh, well, uh, the, ang nakikita natin during the previous two weeks no, ng ECQ, uh, again, we saw yung mga checkpoints that are being placed there. Uh, pero pag tinignan mo yung checkpoints, ano ba ang ginagawa? Uh, so, tinitignan nila kung meron kang community quarantine pass. no? So, okay, so that's actually just returning back to what was done before last year, last year no? when this all of this uh, started. So, this is exactly one year ago and now we're back to that pero i think pag nag nag uh, lesson na naman ng community quarantine they're not going to do that anymore but uh hindi naman yun ang inaanoan ko eh ang pinaka importante i think the com- the 
contact tracing. We have seen again no an improvement in the contact tracing, but then sustainability of the contact tracing kailangan ma-assure yan, no? So the go national government, the local government should all join forces para masiguro na yung contact tracing ay maganda. Again, ang hinahanap-hanap natin yung interoperability ng system, yung contact tracing system which we have not seen. From the last year up to now, we have not seen it. And then secondly, the uh, ano yung mga information that is being obtained no, uh, during the contact tracing? Uh, hindi din. May ito malabo. No? Uh, hindi nga nila malalaman kung sino yung, uh, kung sino yung mga taong na-exposed doon sa nagkaroon ng COVID-19. So this information are sorely lacking up to now. And so, hindi ko masabi kung nagkaroon tayo ng magandang uh, pagbabago pagdating doon sa contact tracing. So, definitely, okay. uh, if I'm going to evaluate the contact tracing, uh, siguro mga 60. <laughs> so, it's a, actually, I will give it a failing rate. Definitely, okay. no? I know, I know. Kasi uh, marami akong kilala na nag-COVID-19 ang mga tina tinatanong ko sa kanila ko ano ang mga tanong na na kinukuha sa kanila tinatanong sa kanila eh, kulang na kulang yung mga tanong na yan okay dr maricar limpin thank you for joining us this morning now an independent research group expects a downward trend in covid-19 cases in the so-called ncr plus bubble by next week the octa research group is citing a lower reproduction number in the region Let's all discuss this with Okta Research Group Fellow, Dr. Guido David. He also teaches mathematics and statistics at the University of the Philippines. Good morning, Professor, and thank you for joining us on the program. Yes, uh, good morning, uh, Christian. Okay, first let's go by the figures. Was it prudent for the government to shift to an MECQ after two weeks of ECQ? Well, uh, our primary recommendation was to remain in ECQ for the purpose of public health to um, well, as, as we all know, hospitals are already uh, getting overwhelmed and they're, uh, they're full and it's difficult to get hospital, um, hospital care right now in the NCR Plus. But uh, uh, understanding that there is a need to balance um, uh, public health with um, uh, you know, livelihood and people who have lost uh, work uh, and jobs, so uh, we also uh, recommended uh, a second option, which is uh, more like a balance, uh, balancing act to uh, shift down to a, an MECQ, which the government decided uh, to take. So it's more of a compromise, again, because uh, they also have to consider the other issues or aspects as far as managing the economy was concerned, right? So this is more of a compromise, the MECQ. Yes, Yes, exactly. So it's like a it's like a middle ground. So at least it's not GCQ. Um, so we are going to open up certain uh, establishments, um, uh, but our hope is that this will continue the the decrease in the reproduction number. Okay. Now talk to us about uh, the two-week ECQ in Metro Manila in the four neighboring provinces. Uh, was there any significant decrease in the uh, in the surge in COVID-19 infections? Did you actually see one? Well, yes, and uh, I, uh, I hear people saying that uh, the numbers are still high. Yes, the numbers are still high because they're not going to decrease uh, significantly within that time frame of two weeks. But the reproduction number decreased from 1.88 to 
to 1.24, and this is the average number of transmissions. It also measures the speed of the pandemic. So, but it's still greater than one. But we have seen a, a negative growth rate. Actually, even in the NCR, there was a one-week negative growth rate. But uh, one-week negative growth rate does not guarantee that it's on a downward trend. It's just that this week or this past week compared to the previous week, the cases decreased by about 16%. Um, the, we're also seeing a downward trend in several cities in um, NCR. So, for example, Pasay and Mandaluyong and Marikina, uh, we're seeing a decrease in uh, definite downward trend so there has been a definite improvement but we're not there yet okay let's try to simplify the terms uh, professor david when you say negative growth rate what exactly did you mean for the per for the benefit of our viewers here right it means that if we take the average number of cases uh last week uh, actually well i have uh, updated data that i'm going to read now so the average number of cases per day for the past seven days is four thousand eight hundred and the previous week, if we go back uh, one week before, the average number of cases was 5,300. So we can see that uh, this past week was lower, 4,800, versus the week before that, 5,300. Um, so this time, it's a decrease of 9%. But okay. um, it, it does not guarantee that we're already on a downward trend because we're just comparing one week versus uh, another week. Yeah, so, it's a good thing. Oh, I think it's very important to clarify that there were still an increase. There was still an increase in the number of COVID-19 cases on average, right? Yeah. 4,800 compared to 5,300 the previous right. Uh, week, right? But pero ang ibig sabihin, dumadami pa rin yung cases. Marami and they should not yeah. lead to laxity. They should not, we should right. not relax because of the so-called negative growth rate. Dumadami pa rin. Yes, it's just a one-week negative growth rate. I mean, so it's, it just gives us um, confidence that what we are doing is working, but it, does, it should not give us confidence that we are, it already worked and it's all finished, uh, you know, that we could go back to our normal lives. It just means that we have a lot of work to do to continue this momentum to try to decrease the numbers even further because, you know, 5,000 cases per day in NCR is a lot of cases. And if we continue to have 5,000 or 4,000 cases per day in the next few weeks, we will definitely not going to be seeing any relief in our hospital care system. And we're not doing con enough contact tracing to really identify the close contacts of these people. I mean, can you imagine that? Uh, I wanted this interview to give our viewers a clear picture of the scale of the, pro of the problem, right? Right. So if you're talking of 5,000 confirmed cases, for instance, in a day, and we're not even talking about those that are not reported, right? Let's just go by the figures coming from the government. If you have 5,000 cases in a day, and you go by the, 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 the actual ratio of contact tracing by the local governments, how many are we missing? Yes. Okay. So give us an idea. Right, right. I can give you a concrete example. And um, about more than one month ago, our average number of cases then was 500 cases per day. And let's say today we were averaging more or less 5,000. So at that time, 500 cases per day. If the con uh, if the um, contact tracing team can trace from those 500, they can trace 15,000 contacts. That would be a ratio of one is to 30. So if we multiply 500 by 30, we get 15,000. So that means for each uh, person who got infected that they confirmed, they can trace 30 other people who have been 
um, well, in contact with this, for example, me, if I got in COVID, they can trace 30 of my friends and my colleagues and business, you know, business associates or something, friends, uh, acquaintances, family. And out of the, those 30, they can find a few more um, COVID cases. Now, because we're averaging 5,000, because we have the same capacity for contact tracing, the contact tracing, uh, contact tracing ratio between 5,000 and 50,000, it's only three. That means we can only trace three other people who are in contact with me instead of 30. So that means they can only trace maybe my you know, immediate uh, household uh, um, people in my household and that means they will be missing a lot of people who may have been in contact with me instead of tracing 30 people they're now just tracing three people because the efficiency is now much slower does this partly explain why we're seeing a lot of cases now yes uh, because um, they all go hand in hand with the number of cases because we have a lot of cases our contact tracing efficiency is very low we're not uh, we're not identifying more cases or positive and then our testing is also um, at about capacity that means where we have a positivity rate of 24 percent now that means one out of four we test is positive and that's a lot um the the, the who recommended um, number is five percent or less and we're we have 24 or 20, almost 25%. So that means we're not testing enough right now as well. And we're very far, we're, we are very much far off that target uh, set by the WHO, right? Now, yung, yung, yung one is to 30 uh, in terms of contact tracing. Wasn't that even optimistic? Well, uh, the, the ideal is one is to 37 um, in, in a best case scenario. And uh, most likely we were not getting one is to 30 at that time. Um, mm. Maybe we we're getting one is to 10 or one is to 20, but at least we were getting a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of um, contacts uh, from each infected individual. But right now with a, you know, with a very low ratio, like one is to three, even if we scale up our contact tracing team, the, the, you know, it's very difficult for them to contact trace, you know, 15,000 people in within 24 hours i mean in the ncr that's a lot of contact tracing to, to do especially when we're doing it manually sometimes i think they have to go through escanitas to manually contact trace um in, uh, ex, you know possibly exposed people mm -hmm. and of course you understand the difficulty on the ground right so that's why local governments are trying to hire more contact tracers right uh, now regarding this did the r not your reproduction number you said uh, there was a decrease there was a decrease accorded from 1.88 to 1.24. What does this, this exactly mean? So how many can be potentially infected by a person who tests positive for, for COVID-19 with a reproduction number of uh, 1.24? Well, um, it used to be 1.88 and it was actually um, around two yeah. um, even before. So uh, if we have a reproduction number of two, that means each infected person infects two other people. Now, okay. if it's one, then each infected person infects one other person. So mm -hmm. right now it's about 1.2. So it's almost close to one, but we're not there at one yet. So, so what our target is to get down to a reproduction number of one, because uh, that would mean that we would be definitely on a downward trend. Okay. Now, uh, 
again, it's a, it's a question of uh, wisdom and prudence uh, as, wa- as far as uh, shifting to MECQ was concerned, right? There were promises coming from the national government as to what uh, should have been done or should be done during those two weeks, right? Increase uh, testing capacity, contact tracing, vaccination. Did you actually see uh, as any significant increase to be able to cope with the rising number of COVID-19 cases? Because even if some of the numbers were promising, uh, it's still quite logical to fear that we're very much far off in terms of dealing with the surging cases. Right, yes. Uh, we did see, see an improvement, like we said, in the reproductive number. But um, as far as the testing, I, I believe they augmented that with um, antigen testing because uh, I'm not sure. I, we may be at close to the limit of our PCR testing. We're, we're testing right now about 30,000 per day in NCR. And to get the positivity rate down, we would need to um, test about double that at least. So uh, we would need at least 60,000 tests per day. So, but because um, um, I believe we're not able to scale that. So um, the government has resorted to using um, antigen testing as a substitute. So that's the, the, the approach they use to scale up um, testing. For contact tracing, I believe they, they invested in contact tracers, um, but um, what I am uh, aware of is how much they invested, but I'm not sure how many contact tracers this will uh, result in. So we don't know, you know how well it will improve the, the contact tracing or the contact tracing efficiency. Okay, and finally, Professor David, um, with current efforts being done by the national government, by the local governments, with the cooperation of the general public, um, how soon do you think this uh, this current current surge that we're seeing? Uh, how soon can that can this be contained? Uh, we're hoping that the downward trend will happen within two weeks, but that doesn't mean that, um, or one to two weeks, but that doesn't mean that uh, we have contained this because we will still be at around four to five thousand cases per day by then, and it will take us another month to reduce that to fifty percent. Uh, go. I mean, we're just talking about the NCR. So uh, nationally, we could be at around, you know, nine to ten thousand uh, cases per day um, around the end of April. And to reduce that to fifty percent would require about thirty days, because that's the way we. That's how we see it um, in the past in in our history. So it takes us around thirty days to reduce it to fifty percent. So that means that. Um, and by May, we would be at around five, you know, five to six thousand cases, and that would still be a lot. Um, but it would be a lot more controlled. So uh, I, I don't know if that gives us an idea of you know how long it would take. But I'm just trying to give us a timeline of you know what what the the numbers would look like in a- April and in May. Okay, Professor Guido David, thank you for joining us this morning, sir. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Okay. And that's it for our program this morning. I'm Christian Sigera. You can listen to our interviews again on the ANC Matters of Fact podcast available in Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. You can also get all the exclusive content on ANC's YouTube channel. Thank you for watching.